0: Just so honored to have um, what has become a good friend to me, uh, a great pastor, a great leader. Um, Really, he's really a genius in a lot of ways, but he's so humble and uh, never really talks about it, but he's leading a great church in the Cincinnati area uh, of thousands of people doing phenomenal things. And I go there often and visit with him and pick his brain, and I'm glad that he doesn't get tired of me. And um, But uh, it's good to have great people in our lives, amen, to help us. And he's going to speak into our church today. And I believe that God wants to raise us up to even do more in our region for his glory. Amen. So let's honor and let's welcome Pastor Marcus Meekin from Seven Hills Church. It's going to be good.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. You can be seated. Thanks for coming. Thanks for hanging out with us. And I was on the front row and I thought about my coffee would be cold when I got finished with my sermon and I have about two more drinks left. And, uh, but I'll preach about five times better if I finish this last shot of espresso. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all are okay with it? If I can preach five times better, I can just go ahead and finish it off. How about that? And, uh, before I get to the message, I actually have two messages here, and on the front row, I'm conflicted. I'm not really that spiritual. Um, I'm just conflicted uh, because I have such a burden to, and not not that I think I'm better. I I, I don't want to come across that way, but I have such a burden to help this church, to help your pastors, to help you um, really move forward. And I don't know about you. I, I don't know how you live your life, but... You know, I left our church at home. I left my, they had my daughters and my wife up there, wife of almost 20 years. Uh, That's, can't believe it's been 20 years. And then my two daughters, who are 17 and 15, and so uh, if you could, during your prayer time in August, just put me at the top of your prayer list, Uh, because you know what they say at about. 14 aliens come down and they suck their brain out of their head and then uh, they kind of walk around with with like you know I don't know like they don't have a brain for sure and then um, I'll figure out what I'm saying at some point and then I don't know maybe like 24 the aliens come back and put their brain back in and so uh, so be thinking about us a little bit and uh, so but my church is there and, and you know like any pastor, uh, I, I love my church. I mean, I, there's no place on earth I'd rather be than with my church. I, I don't dread being with my church. I don't despise. I, I don't try to get away because I feel like, you know, I, I got to have a preaching ministry somewhere. I, I love being home, but I'm here because I really, um, I really want to see uh, this church um, move forward as a result of me showing up. Whether that's possible or not. Uh, I have to have that conviction in my own heart that I'm not here by accident, that there's no place I should be on the entire planet, uh, other than right here in this place, having a conversation with you about, um, the things of God, the purposes of God, I'm gonna catch you sucker. Um, and, um. Me and flies have a horrible relationship. Can you tell I'm ADD yet? Can you tell? <laughs> we Mosquitoes and flies. I do believe um, that somehow one of my descendants will create some kind of invention to kill them all. All of them. I don't care. Probably end the entire you know cycle of life, but at least we won't have to die irritated by flies and mosquitoes. So anyway, yeah, so I'm excited to be here. I love your pastors. I love... Um, uh, Pastor Kim, his, his his wife, Pastor Dave, and Summer. Um, he took me to a Chinese restaurant last night. That was unbelievable, incredible. You should probably never go there because it was it was sketchy. But um, it was really good food, really good food. And um, but Pastor Dave, like he said, has been coming up to Seven Hills for for several. That means I'm almost ready to preach. Um, getting re- for, several, for several years now, for about two years, and um, we just built a relationship. You know, a lot of people come down. They'll try to get a bunch of ideas. How do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? How do you do that? And then they disappear, and that's fine. I, I don't mind that. That's what we're there for. And then every now and then you get a guy that just, he just like keeps coming, and he keeps hanging around, and, and keeps reaching out, and then before you know it, you know, you you're like, you know what, I, I think I think I found a friend. And uh and that that's what they are there. This this church is a friend of ours. You have a um a brother, a sister church in Cincinnati area. And uh just know that we're we're doing everything we can to stand with you. You're not alone in this, they're not alone in this. Uh anything that we have to help you guys is is accessible to you. And I'm learning here. Last night with Pastor Kim and Pastor Dave, we started talking about some family stuff, and Pastor Kim starts ministering to me and talking to me and uh, helping me be uh, aware of things that I was blind to, and it's really going to help my family. So I've enjoyed being here. Thank you guys so much for the privilege of hanging out with, with you. And don't you love your pastors? Aren't they incredible? Praise the Lord. There we go. All right, if you've got your Bibles, uh, why don't we open, uh, I gave them the wrong scripture, open to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9 and verse 49, Mark chapter 9 and verse 49. So if you don't have your Bibles with you, they're not going to be able to help you cheat on the cheat screen up there. And so maybe you have your Bible app on your phone and so you can check out what we're going to talk about. Mark chapter 9, verse 49. Everybody okay? Everybody doing all right? All right, I'm almost there. Mark chapter 9. You love the word of God? Say "Uh uh-huh. Say "Uh Uh uh-huh. Okay, you'll be all right. It's the 9 a.m. Stretch real quick. There we go. Verse 49, verse 49. For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. I think this scripture is important because it's Jesus verifying the Old Testament custom in the New Testament. It's called the salt covenant. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about that, but I, I want to talk to you about what I think happens in church life. Um, why why churches hit ceilings. Um, when I say ceilings, just why, why they don't realize their full potential. I don't think that a church is better than another church because of a number or because of the size of a building. But I do think that God will ultimately hold us accountable for our potential as a people. And will we or are we um, as City Church reaching our full potential? Whatever it is that God has put in each one of us and the collective giftings and potential that's who we are I believe God has assigned that potential to this place, and just like personally you 're accountable to seeing that full potential reach as a church, as a people as as, um, as His sons and daughters that are gathering in this spot in this place on this topos or piece of geography on the planet, I do believe that that God is looking down and He has a high call for this particular church. He has something great. And there's a study that they did in New York City in 1964 after a young woman was stabbed to death by the name of Kitty Genovese. She was chased and attacked three times for over 30 minutes. 38 neighbors watched from their windows as this woman is chased over and over and over, thrown to the ground and stabbed to death. During the time, not one of the 38 people who watched the event happen through the windows of their house called the police. Two New York City psychologists conducted a series of study sparked by the incident, dubbed the bystander problem, which is what I want to talk to you about. First, the first thing that they did is they staged an epileptic fit in one room and they allowed one person to be the one that was listening to this girl have an epileptic fit. When that happened in the studies, 85% of the time, there was a response to fix and do whatever was necessary to help the person that was in trouble. When you put four people in the room next to the girl having the same issue, only 31% of the time was there a response. So think about this with me real quick. The the second that, that you put more people in a room the chance of anyone feeling individual responsibility begins to drop dramatically. And so they thought, well, maybe it's just this unique situation. So they did a second study. In the second study, they allowed a house to look like it was burning down by having smoke come out from underneath the bottom of the doorway. And when one person was walking by, 75% of the time, they would call 911. They would knock on the door. They would do something to help. they They would grab whatever resources. They would cry out for help. They would scream. They would do something. But when a group of people walked by the same thing, it dropped from 75% response to a 38% response. Which the concern is, as a society or a social disease that we have to deal with, that I believe the church is called to break. Come on. We're not supposed to fit into some psychological study in some fact survey that's done by the world. But it is accurate that in a group, responsibility is diffused. And the general idea is there's an assumption we make that someone else is making the call. The assumption we make is that if no one else is really responding, if no one else is really stepping up if no one else is doing something that that it doesn't warrant a response we pick up on the cues of those around us and if they're not doing it we think ah if it's not something they're supposed to be doing maybe it's okay that I also stay inactive it's the bystander problem and the study concluded if Kenny, Kitty Genovese had been attacked on a lonely street with one witness she might have lived, And so the human condition that Jesus calls us to break out of is the human condition that not only exists in this study, but it is also very prevalent in the church. It is the stereotypical church. And we've heard it a million times, but let's think about it differently. 20% of the people on average carry 80% of the load in the church. 20% volunteer. Twenty percent sacrifice. Twenty percent. And again, Dave loves his church. He's never, he didn't ask me to do this. I, I've got another sermon here that I might preach the next service that, that 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 is very encouraging. It doesn't even go into saying, hey, you need to step up. And and the good thing is is I don't have to come back. And and Pastor can clean this up later. But, but 20% financially contribute. Only six to eight percent actually give. What God said was holy and belongs to him, the tithe. Think about that. Now, I'm not here to get you to tithe. I'm here to say this is not just a spiritual issue. That's one side of it. it is, it's a psychological issue, but it has spiritual consequences. It's something about the way that we're wired when we get in a group And we show up to church and we look through our comfortable windows and we look at the enemy destroying a generation, hurting people, messing up lives, messing up marriages, messing up homes, uh, bringing negativity into the house of God, division and dividing and and, and all, we watch it all from the warmth of our, our beautiful little, Place and comfortable little situation. And the bystander problem takes effect because we think surely someone else has got it. Surely someone else is engaged. Surely someone else will, 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 will make that happen. Or if no one else is, I guess it's just a failed thing or I guess it's just not a big deal or I guess it doesn't warrant me get, getting involved. Nothing healthy and strong and vibrant can work when only 20% is fully functioning. Think about it. As a pastor, I'm not super intelligent, but I think if I go to the doctor and I say to him, hey, uh, uh, I feel sick, I feel like I'm not, you know, doing well, and he says, let me run some studies, and he comes back to me and he says, don't worry, you're good, you're fine, only 20% of your vital organs are working, God bless you, have a good day. If he says 20% 20 of my vital organs are working, I'm like, doc, do something, cut me open, give me a drug, stick something in my veins, you know, give me something that somebody else has that's working 100%, right, transplant something, do something in some way. I'm not okay with 20% of my vital organs working, but in a sermon like this, we're like, yeah, 20%, that seems like it's functioning, seems like it's doing okay. Seems like the ball's getting down the field. In a marriage, if one gives 100% and the other gives 20%, and the one's like, what? It's all good. I'm giving 20%. You know, don't be too picky. At At least I'm in the marriage. At least I'm here. At least I showed up. I occasionally do something. I occasionally care. I occasionally act like you matter. I occasionally prefer you. I occasionally respect you. I occasionally honor you. Every now and then, maybe once a month, maybe once every three weeks, I lay my life down for you like Christ did for the church, but don't expect too much more than about 20% from me. If I'm a coach... And I got 12 guys on the field, and I'm trying to go up against another team. And all of them say, hey, listen, we got 12 guys, 10 of you, ah, just kind of hang out, enjoy your time, drink some Gatorade on the sidelines, get the water boy to make sure you're refreshed, because two, that's enough. We would never be okay with that. But yet in church, 20% say yes. 20% step up. I'm not here to guilt trip you. I promise you, for some of us, it was a huge deal for us to come here for some of you it's a huge deal for you to even be in church for some of you you've been hurt you've been bruised you you've had bad experiences for others of you you're busy life is hectic for others of you your priorities are mixed up for others of you you have sin issues and you just don't feel bad, like like good enough or or like how can you because you feel like a fraud or a hypocrite and it's just you're just kind of showing up trying to figure out how how you can get through certain things i get why that it's not 100% but what i want to say Is we just simply have to conclude Whatever our personal issues are A church will never be vibrant And healthy and life giving And fulfill what it can truly do It it won't If only 20% say yes The bystander problem Jesus called it a salt problem In the Bible we have two major covenants in scripture The first one is the blood covenant The second one is the salt covenant the blood covenant is all about redemption and salvation. There's two parts to the blood covenant. The way a blood covenant works is blood is shed. And then there's the exchanging of gifts. We know this. This is very practical stuff. But I want to cover it. Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood. That was the initiating of the final needed blood covenant hebrews makes it clear that that shedding of blood that jesus accomplished on the cross was so superior in every possible way the sacrifice that he gave became enough to eliminate the need for any blood sacrifice to ever be given again past present and future the covenant was finalized in Acts chapter 2, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came and he exchanged gifts with the church. And we have nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that we function in. That was the blood covenant, the first covenant, Jesus is saying, I gave my very best. I left nothing off the table. I gave everything I had. I I I, I fully engaged. And that blood, that sacrifice, that 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 horrible price that heaven had to pay for our sin is what jesus gave we're not saved by works we're not saved by what we can do it's not by what we do 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 it's by what jesus has done 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 on the cross that is accurate so as a church we don't have a blood problem we have a salt problem or a bystander problem the second covenant the salt covenant is all about individual personal engagement This covenant requires no written contract. The custom says one person brings bread, the other person brings salt. They verbally speak the conditions of the contract to one another. And Jesus actually expressed this covenant on the night that he was betrayed. He said, I'm the bread that's been broken for you. He's the bread of life. That's who he is. He's the bread. He he brings that part to the covenant, and then he looked at us, we read it, and he said, you're the salt, that's who you are, in the covenant, who are we, blood covenant's done, finished, behind us, we're, we're saved, not by faith, or, or works, but by grace through faith, that's set, that's established, now I'm the bread, you're the salt, you're the salt, think about this, salt represents each individual's personal engagement and responsibility we don't like the word responsibility in church at all but it's response ability it's the ability to know how to respond when you need to it's the ability to say if there's a hundred people in a room i'm not going to be the one that says someone else will do it i'm not going to fall prey to that psychological to me uh, disease that sociological disease in the church no i'm going to do more than just talk about the bread talk about the blood talk about what jesus has done talk about his love i'm going to make sure that i step up and say god i thank you for being the bread of life i thank you for giving your life and you can look at me and know i know that in the relationship the bread needs some salt that's what makes the bread tasty is the salt come on That's what makes Jesus tasty, is the salt. Jesus did his part. He became the bread that was broken. Your part, my part, everyone in here, no one is is, is exempt to this. We are to be salty. And it's not the bread that the world rejects. The world's not rejecting the bread. It's God's people that have a salt problem. A salty life, people see a difference in you. A salty life ref- is the kind of life that says, I'm going to refuse to be the bystander. I refuse to be the one that that looks at from my com- comfortable window in and expects someone else to do it. A salty life says, I'll contribute. A salty life says I'll make a move, I'll take a step, I'll go deeper, I'll go further, I'll keep moving, I'll keep stepping, I'll keep pressing into the things of God. A salty life is a generous life, a thankful life. A joyful life. Salty people step up from inside the group and say, I'm not going to wait for someone else to step up and do something. I'll pray. I'll believe God. I'll invite my friends. I'll reach out to my neighbors. I'll get in a small group. I'll jump in and serve. I'll do it. I'm not going to sit back and expect someone else to do my part. The only way to be a salty church, the only way to break the stereotype. The only way to draw the line in the sand and say, not us, not here, not in this room, not in this church, is to no longer say, someone else will do my part. I will not show up and let someone else do my part. We're the salt of the earth, not the sugar of the earth. Bottom line is, the bread we offer has to have salt on it. It's the salt covenant it's it's the salt they come and they just see personal engagement it should be contagious people should kind of come in and get saved and 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 be, feel uncomfortable if they're not engaged because it's just the spirit it's just the environment it's just it's just what we do it's just who we are we step up and we do our part remember lot's wife remember how the scripture tells us hey remember her she she went lot took her he, he tries to help her go, and tries to help her take steps, and tries to, he's working with her, he's asking God, help, help me, and don't, don't judge us. And she keeps taking the steps, taking the steps right, but at some point she's like, nah, personally, if I have to do this, I'm not willing to. And so she looks back, and becomes a pillar of salt. The message is, she lacked personal engagement. As an individual, she wouldn't take responsibility for her part in the journey. Lot could only take her so far. But at some point, she says, I have to make a decision. I have to make a choice for myself. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to give my best to God. I'm, I'm going to be full on for God. I'm going I'm to bring the salt to the relationship. I'm going to live a salty life. The, 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 the body that we have, you know how long it can live without salt? Three weeks. Three weeks. You know, the body that we have in here, it can't live and thrive if we don't have people showing up and bringing salt. I believe more than ever, God's calls is calling people, churches, to be salty. Not calling churches to say, I'm saved. Saved is kind of not really our issue anymore. We have lost people, we have people far from God. But for the most part, we understand grace, we understand mercy. We understand if we slip up, we don't lose it all and, and have to worry about hell, fire, and we're, we're, we're beyond that. We understand how great the blood of Jesus is and how much it covers. We, we get all of those things. We're, we're doing well in that area, but the salt covenant is where we're lacking. Again, the salt covenant isn't a contract. There's no law. There's no need to bring dead letter into it and say these are the five things that you have to do if you don't do these things and how dare you, you're not really a good church member or a good Christian. This is different. This is about just saying, God, give me the right spirit on my mind. It's not a spiritual issue. It has spiritual consequences. It's a sociological disease that gets into the church. Isn't this what Paul said? Be not conformed to this world but be transformed or let the metamorphosis happen, right? Allow the way the world does things to not attach itself to you, but let us turn it into the beautiful thing that we're supposed to do. How? By the renewing of our mind, getting the right spirit on our mind. I'm closing with this, but I've never seen this before. and Maybe you've heard this, but someone said this and I was blown away. If you look at the Da Vinci painting of the Last Supper, you'll notice in the painting where the sop is, which sop is salt and water, they dip bread in. The salt shaker is turned upside down. It's turned over. It's spilling out. And the implication was Da Vinci was saying Judas, based on scripture, broke the salt covenant. Think about this. Judas Couldn't get his mind right He just kept thinking wrong So he kept feeling wrong So he kept choosing wrong It was kind of a bystander problem It was kind of a salt problem That led to his downfall I don't think that Whenever you bring up Judas Everybody's like You talking to me about being Judas No, I'm simply basically saying The message that the church needs to hear Is a message of Let's make sure we're salty Let's make sure that we stay salty as a people, salty as a group. John Livingston, the famous 19th century missionary, went to Central Africa. Part of their culture was when you would go into a village, the chief would come out to meet you and you would exchange gifts. As you would exchange gifts, uh, the goal was to bring your best gift. John Livingston had a goat that he took with him everywhere because he had, he had stomach problems. He would drink the milk from that goat, and it actually helped him fulfill his missionary duties. Without the milk from that goat, he would get sick and, and potentially, you know, where he was at, not have the medical help he would need to even live. He gets to the village, and the chief wants the goat. And so John Livingston thinking to himself, you know, if I give the goat, that's what he's wanting. If I give my best, he's going to give me his best. And so he gives him the goat. And then the chief hands him a stick. They leave the village and John Livingston goes out and he's praying, he says, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help these people. I'm here to reach these people. And now... The thing that I need to live. They slaughtered it. They cooked it. They they ate it. And now I'm I'm not really sure how I'm even going to fulfill what I'm here to do. I'm not even sure I can make it another day. And all I have is this stupid stick. Finally, someone came and told him, that's not a stick. That's the chief scepter. The emblem on that stick gives you access to every village in Central Africa and whatever you say you need, they're required to give it to you. And so many times we're mad at God because we know God's calling us for things. We know God's asking us for things. We know God wants something from us, more from us. Maybe it is our giving. Maybe it is our time. Maybe it is our talents. Maybe it is just, just, just maybe not a massive step, but just another step forward. And we get so upset because we're like, man, God, you're taking my goat. It's my goat. This is a goat. I need this to survive. This is my I can't make it without my goat. And we hang on so hard to our little goats when God's wanting to give us the scepter. God's wanting to make us better and greater for his glory. I have a strong love for this church, even though you don't know me, because I've spent probably a hundred hours or so talking about you, talking about you with your pastor, thinking about you. He loves you so much. They love you so much. And I know pastors that come are supposed to say those things, but you are in such great hands. You really are in such great hands. I've never heard one iota out of his mouth, like, of the people are they could do more that's not what i'm here to say i'm here as the pastor of another church that constantly knows there's so much potential in a room that's left at the table because people think someone else is doing it you know in our church i've heard this we've got several Bengals players in our church praise the lord who day and um um that's right it's god's team it's fine you'll be all right with it and, uh, and and I don't know if I should say this. Hopefully this won't be recorded. You know, pro athletes really don't give, right? Every now and then they'll do a little something. They'll make hundreds of millions, but they, they're not really huge givers, all right? They, they got agents and they got people around them and they've got, everybody's there to protect them from... The fact that most of the time, you know, they lose it all in a short period of time. And I have a great compassion for them. The Bengals chaplain goes to my church. I sp- I've been at every home game for 11 years. I speak uh, at chapels all the time. And we have a great love for them. And we really have a burden for the pressure they're under as young men. And we would never put any pressure on them to give. But people will come into our church. And they'll see Bentleys. And they'll see all- Ferraris. And they'll see sports cars. And they'll see all this stuff. And they think, oh, the church is so wealthy. That's what they think. And I know it's the single mom that gives 25 bucks that allows that guy to pull up in his Bentley and have a church to go to. No one else sees it. But I know that. Now, I know we can say it's unfair and it's unjust. I'm, I'm not trying to say what they do is good or wrong or bad. I'm not trying to hear it. I'm saying that sometimes it's in our mind that somebody else has got it. Somebody else has got it. We'll see the business guy, or we'll see the doctor, or we'll see the lawyer. And if you're here and you're one of those people, we have all those people in our church, and they're amazing. But we always think someone else is more suited to do something, more qualified to do something, more stable, more blessed, more this. And that's not what makes a church go. As a pastor of a church, I promise you, that's not what makes a church go. It's every person. Not excusing themselves thinking somebody else has got it it's every person saying i'm just gonna do my part may not seem big may not seem massive but but i'm gonna do my part as small and insignificant as it might seem i'm gonna bring the salt to the table not to be saved blood covenant settled but to make sure we have a salty church a salty church so when people come in and experience jesus he's a tasty jesus amen So, Father, I'm going to pray in five seconds that you allow the word, the seed of this, to be deeply deposited into every heart, and may it produce great fruit in the life of this place. Thank you for the greatness that's in front of us. Thank you for the history. Thank you for everything you've done. We're grateful. We, we don't despise any of the things that you've done, small beginnings, mid-sized beginnings. But God, we open up our hearts, not to a number necessarily, but, but that this is the year of growth, which just simply implies, God, we, we, we want to experience our potential at a new level. God, help us to push through the pain. Help us to push through the limits. Help us to push through anything that would hold us back from actually being the people, the church in this region, the force, the influence that you called us to be. Bless the pastors. Protect them. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Surround them and their families. So protect them. Watch out for them. Bring the right people into their life. Surround them with greatness. And God, we thank you that the best is yet to come. And We all said a big amen in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you. Come on. Let's stand to our feet. Let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning for the word we heard. Phenomenal. Let's bow our heads, if you don't mind. You online can bow your heart and respond as you feel led where you're watching. And as your heads are bowed right now, what a great word today. And overcoming the bystander problem. As our heads are bowed and you would say, PD, uh, I want to be closer to Jesus. Um, I want to break the bystander problem, not only at city but just in my community, just in my neighborhood, in my workplace. I want to step out and and reach out and break the bystander problem and be salty. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Hands up everywhere. Thank you so much today. Follow me in this prayer so no one's left out. And please say, Lord Jesus, my heart is yours. Make me salty for your glory. I break the bystander problem and I come to you in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. He's an awesome God, it's powerful. I want to have the prayer team join me here at the altar right now. Come down, prayer team. Bruce is going to sing a great worship song. Uh, And as he sings If you want to respond to God I want to encourage you To come down for prayer Uh, Concerning the message Or any other thing Just come down We'll serve you And pray for you You can take communion On either side of the stage You can sit in your seat But I want to encourage you This is a great message To make a response On a personal level and, And to make that step Come down the middle aisle For prayer Or the side aisle For communion And then Bruce will dismiss us Here in a few moments May the Lord bless you May his face shine upon you May he be gracious to you May he be good to you May he look upon you And for this message May he make us salty breaking through the bystander problem in Jesus name. Let's respond to God